copies of that and look at it before tonight. How many of you remember <clears throat> your wedding vows? Give me a phrase or two from that. To love and to cherish. Honor and obey. Obey, obey, obey. Sickness and health. To have and to hold. To death do us part. The whole idea behind your vows is to help, to help you contextually understand what we're looking at today from today's text is the whole idea of your vows is to, to take two things, two people, and bring them together as one so that two agendas become one agenda. Two, two philosophies become one philosophy. Two hearts become one heart. Two directions, one direction. So the whole idea is, is unification. And so Paul is teaching that here in the second chapter of Ephesians. If you want to turn there in your in your copy of the scripture, we're going to look at verses 14 to 18 together at this idea that as we started last month, looking at stress and the stressors that are in our life and why, where those come from, how we operate, uh, good and bad from the, from the stresses that we allow into our life. Um, we move from stress in November here to in, in December to looking at peace as the juxtaposed position to stress. If I don't have stress, then I should have peace, right? Right, we should. So how do we get there? Not only get there, but stay there. So uh, last week we looked at at, at the uh, delivery mechanism to peace, how the Holy Spirit himself is the source of peace for each of us. How he, he, at at his indwelling, when when we receive him in salvation, how he is there to bring peace, to speak peace, to educate us on peace and how peace works, to initiate that in our life. And to see that we have at least access to it, if not, even if we're not sometimes tapping into that. So we looked at, at the, the, the delivery mechanism last week, and the idea that peace unifies this week. Look at me, Will, if you will, verses 14 to 18 of Ephesians chapter 2. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two one, and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law, with its commandments and regulations, his purpose was to create in him, or in himself, one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who are far away, and peace to those who were near, for through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Now, Four things I want us to see today from this text. The first is this, is that unifying peace breaks down barriers. Unifying peace breaks down barriers. Look at 14 and 15 with me again. He himself is our peace who made the two one and destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. He's destroyed the barrier, this dividing wall uh, of hostility, he says here. Now, to give you proper context, Paul is talking to Jews and Gentiles about their, their differences. He's talking to them in, in the church here at Ephesus. It was a culturally mixed congregation, meaning there were several Jews, several Gentiles, probably even some Samaritans, in fact, around, in and around Ephesus. Um, so he's, he's talking about this cultural divide, about how the Jews, as Jesus was, as you know, a Jew, 
about how the Jews saw themselves as the chosen ones, as the ones, as the insiders, more or less, and how they often treated the Gentiles in the same church as outsiders. And he's addressing that that, that barrier that's between them uh, today. Uh, this whole and it's it exists in our culture. This whole idea of insiders and outsiders. In fact, as I shared with you in this week's e news, I think we're in a cultural war in our nation. Um, some would call it a civil war. Civil war repeated. Um, I think the divide is just as strong as it was then. I think it's not only in our nation. I think the, the cultural war is going on around the world. But it's, I think, in my opinion, a war over values. War, war over the things that we value, the things that matter most and the things that don't. When it boils down to it, what we value is what drives our life and what drives our belief systems and the way we live and the way we make process things, information to make decisions. And so some would, would describe it as beliefs, some would describe it as morals uh, or, or morality, but it's, it, it, it's a real war, I believe, nonetheless. And so this idea of, of some being on the inside and some being on the outside, these two verses tell us Jesus is the one who breaks the, the barrier down between the insiders and the outsiders. Now, any of y'all go to Whittles Junior High School? Any Whittles people? Whittles. My wife went to Whittles. Whittles were the blue bloods where I grew up. Where I grew up, Whittles, we were on the post side of Broadway where I grew up. And all the rich kids went to Whittles. I know today that to be heresy, but that was our concept, at least, when I was a kid, that all the rich kids went to Whittles and all the poor kids went to Christenberry where I was, where I went to school. And so that's why we used to beat them so badly in every, about every sport we played. But we'll, we'll leave that for another day. But the, there was this sense when, when we got together at Fulton High School that, and, and I sensed it, that some were insiders and some were outsiders. And it all depended on whether you were known or unknown, whether you were popular or not. And so that whole, that whole concept I'm familiar with because I witnessed it, as I said, in, in my sophomore year in high school. And I think that's what he's speaking here, to, to, not only to the Jews, to say, you are no more inside than the, than the Gentiles are. I'm speaking to the, Jew, to the Gentiles to say, you guys are inside too. It's not that we're all outside. God is at the cross and by, by himself in, in the work of Christ has broken down the barriers to make us all insiders uh, to where we, we're not seeing ourselves as some haves and have-nots anymore. And so there, there are barriers in our culture. I think those barriers are real. Uh, some of those barriers are extremely important to me. Uh, some of them are abortion, where our culture stands on abortion, what defines a marriage, what defines a family anymore, uh, the, the, the anti-God, anti-Christian bent in academia, especially higher academia. Um, the truth is now a lie, and the lie, and the lie is now the truth in our culture. Uh, some of those barriers are significant barriers to me, but I'm, I'm also aware of the fact that the one that can break the barriers down is not you and I but our Savior. He said, he's the one who breaks down the barriers, not, 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 not us, not, not, not our, 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 how, how well-crafted our argument is or how convincing we are, how winsome even we are sometimes. He is the one to break the barrier and say, see the things that matter from the things that don't. See the things that are significant from the things that aren't. And I think our culture is, is heading in the wrong direction and seeing and valuing the things that are insignificant over the things that are. Unifying peace breaks down the barriers. Secondly, unifying peace 
points people to the cross. If Jesus is the one who breaks down the barriers, then how does he do that? He does that at the cross. Look at verse 16 with me again, if you will. He says, <coughs> And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. In one body reconciling both of them to God through the cross. Now, I believe the body that he's referring to here and in verse, six, or in verse 16 is the, is the church, the body of Christ. And, and the body, as Paul is saying here, he's writing to, to a, a congregation of converted Jews and Gentiles, believers in Christ, but yet some saw themselves as, as a step above, as elitists, and some didn't. And so he says the body of Christ is the place for us to unify and to break down the barriers, and, and, and the church is the location by which that occurs. If it can't occur in the church, where in the world, is it, where in the world else is it going to occur if it can't occur here? Let me ask you Maybe a tough question. Two questions, actually. How long has it been since you've invited somebody to church, period? But an even more important question is, how long has it been since, you, since you've invited somebody different from you to church that doesn't see the world through the lens you see it, that probably doesn't have the same belief systems even that you have? How long has it been since you've reached out to somebody different than you who desperately needs to know God? and invited them to the kingdom, invited them to the church. That's what he's talking about here and saying those kinds of barriers, those, <clears throat> those places where we are more comfortable in our comfort and less comfortable out of it, those, those are the things we need to step through to say, this, I, need to, I need to break down this barrier in my heart to how I see this kind of individual with this kind of belief system and realize Jesus died for them too. And he loves them too just as much as he does me. And so uh, this whole idea of unifying ourselves together can never take place globally. I don't, I don't think, I don't think it can even take place uh, nationally. It takes place in the context of relationship. Unity occurs in the context of our walking together with people, sharing life with them, sharing belief systems with them, sharing lunch with them, sharing some time with them, uh, sharing conversation with them. The barriers are broken down one-to-one as opposed to in mass. And I believe it's, that's a significant way for that to happen. One connection at a time, one meal at a time, one conversation at a time. Uh, notice the one unifying, though the one unifying uh, uh, point that we must agree on is the cross of Christ. If we can't agree on the cross of Christ, we'll never agree on much of anything. If we can agree there, there's a springboard, a starting place for us to start to see life through a different lens, maybe maybe even a common lens. But if we can't agree on Jesus, we can't agree on much. In fact, how can, in, in light of that truth, how can any of us really reject the love of Jesus at the cross, reject the sacrifices that he made there, reject the selflessness that he put himself through and, and all that the cross represents? Um, in fact, it is the most significant point in history for all of us, certainly all of us who know him as our Savior, but all of us, period, even who don't. It is the most significant point, uh, point of, of, of crossroads in history. Um, somebody should name a, a church cross one because the cross is the point. It's the point. It's the point of it all. It's the point. It's the lens through which we see our world and see life. If, if, if we weren't changed there, then we need to revisit there and find some change. If our, if our ideas and our concepts and our belief systems weren't shifted when we met Christ at the cross, we need to go back there and revisit that. It is the most significant point in history and it should be the most significant point in our life. It's the thing that breaks down the barriers. Jesus does that, he says, but how, did, how does he do that? He does that by way of the cross in, in the fact that he... Uh, it, 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 it not only contains our message, it is our message. 
It is the very thing we share in, in a lot of the context of the gospel. Uh, and so in order for this message to be received, it's got to be shared in love. It's got to be shared in concern. It's got to be shared with people not like us that don't see the world through the same lens we see it through. That we, we, we would reach, reach out to them and break down some, some walls and some barriers and some isms and schisms that we're still carrying around uh, against folks. Thirdly, unifying peace breaks down barriers. It points people to the cross. But thirdly, unifying peace is the message of Jesus. Look at verse 17 with me. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who are near. Came and preached peace. Now, just as we learned last week that the delivery vehicle for peace is the Holy Spirit, um, for us to experience that uh, is, is something altogether different than knowing that to be true. And so we see here that peace can't and shouldn't be assumed all the time, but it should be talked about. It should be presented in the marketplace. It should be, it should, there should be some discourse about it and around it. There should be some in, uh, intentionality on our part to initiate that as believers, as followers of Christ, and keep it in the cultural conversation, keep it in the marketplace. We, are, uh, <clears throat> we talk more about our differences than we do about our things we, we're alike on, and Sometimes rightfully so. I'm different than where our culture stands on some things, as I said, abortion and some other things. But where we can find some commonality is in Jesus at the cross. And just as this, 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 this vehicle of, of the Holy Spirit guiding our thoughts and our minds and our conversations around that, uh, Jesus is the source of that. He's saying here, he's the one who, who spoke peace to those who are far away, peace to those who are near. So, Needs to be some intentionality on our part. Notice, though, in this text that peace is not our coming together around negotiation or around around uh, this idea of compromise, but coming together around this idea of Jesus. Let me share something with you that may be drastic for you to <clears throat> consider, but perhaps not. At Christ's return, if there's a news camera there catching that, it's not going to say, Jesus Christ He's not going to have a D or an R in front of his name. In fact, he don't care about political party because he's, Revelation 19 tells us, instead of a D or an R, he's going to have king of kings and lord of lords. Written down his thigh. Because, as Tony Evans has said, he's not coming to take sides. He's coming to take over. And he means it. And you and I need to know him to know that. Um, He is himself the peacemaker, and we can't or or even shouldn't try to achieve that apart from him, (laughs) apart from his direction and guidance of his Holy Spirit. He He is the vehicle by which we know that, can live in it, and walk in it. Finally, unifying peace isn't cultural or even moral. It's spiritual. Unifying peace is a spiritual thing. Look at verse 18 with me. He says, For through him we both have access to the Father by, watch, one spirit. We both have access to the Father by one spirit. Our culture won't change until our our morality changes. And our morality is not going to change until our Spirit in us changes, meaning for our behavior to change, our culture, in other words, for our behavior to change, our mind has to change. 
For our minds to change, our heart has to be changed. The Spirit has to change our heart to change the way we think in order to change the way we see others and change the behavior, the, the, the ways in which we interact with others in our culture. That's why, apart from the, work of, the finished work of Christ at the cross uh, and the indwelling Holy Spirit that follows that, it's impossible to experience lasting peace. It is a spiritual pursuit. We think otherwise. We think, well, if we can agree on this and this, we can get along, can't we? We may for a while. When we can agree on the finished work of Christ at the cross, we can get along forever when we can agree on those things, the, the things that matter most. And uh, it's, it's not our enlightenment that brings us to that understanding and that urges us into that place. Um, it's, it's not how enlightened we are, but, but it's, it's our, the Holy Spirit that does all of that. So, and we can call a truce sometimes on our positions, but we can call temporary truces, but the truce lasts as long as our emotions last. And so when we feel emotional about something, and are fired up again, the truce, truce is over and we're back at it again and back at each other again. But he's the one that teaches us that the real, lasting, heart-changing, eternity-changing peace is not about who wins and who loses. Because he already wins, as, as I said, if you look at the end of the story, he, he wins. It's not about who wins and who loses, but who is found at the foot of the cross, surrendering themselves and all they have and all they know to him. That's the, that's the, 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 uh, the marker. And so... We can, we can negotiate and talk back and forth. We can even change our opinions and feelings about things. But until Jesus comes in to reside and changes our heart, we will never, ever, ever, ever experience lasting peace. It's a heart change. And peace between me and you, between, between you and others, comes as a result of our heart feeling for them to say, man, I want you to know Jesus. Because in Christ, we can find a place of agreement. Uh, that that kind of desire can only come from the heart of a believer. It can only be initiated from the heart of a believer. So we have to know him to know those things. So, question and observation as we close. Do you still have an insider and outsider mentality? Are you still carrying around the fact that it's us and them? Or has God started to break some of that down? Has he started for you to see and come to a place that's uh, in light of what we looked at today, if we still have a, an insider and outsider mentality, we need to revisit the cross and really rediscover whosoever really does mean whosoever. That's what he meant. It meant people not like us. People that I only disagree with, I don't even like, or I don't even want to get to know. Um, the Jeffrey Dahmers of the world... God wants to make peace with it. And he wants us to be peacemakers in the process of that. You think, how can, somebody, how can anybody get being a serial, serial killer inside their mind? How can they be that depraved? How can, how can that kind of depravity, how can God cut through that kind of depravity? How can God cut through the, the depravity that, that has two or three states in our nation performing abortions after birth, post-birth abortions? How can that kind of depravity exist in our culture and how do we find peace with that? We find peace with that through Jesus and the work of Christ at the cross. That's the only place we can. Because I can't find the peaceful place between them, that, that kind of behavior and what my mind says I ought to believe based on the word of God. I can't find the peaceful place. But if we, if we can meet at the cross and agree at the cross, that's a great springboard to finding a place of peace and a place where we can, can walk together and, and, and believe together that he is the only thing that matters. There are...
religions all across our world, uh, believing all kinds of different things, cults even believing all kinds of different things. And uh, as I said, at the end of the day, Jesus, Jesus wins. We see the end of the story. But he wants to win the hearts before he wins the war. Win the hearts today before he, before he wins the battle that's to come. Uh, and you and I are the integral part of that. That's what he's called us to. He's called us to peace. He's called us to be peacemakers. He's called us to walk in peace, not only with each other here, and break down the barriers here sometimes even that says you're an insider, you're an outsider. You're, you have an inside track on things or you don't. But not only here, but more importantly, out there. God wants to break the barriers down out there to folks that we, you and I would look on to say, unsavable, unredeemable. And Jesus looks at that very life and says, Nobody's unredeemable. Nobody's unsavable. Look at the life of Paul murdering Christians. Anybody's redeemable. Anybody's savable. He wants to get that message to say, I'm the peace bringer. I'm the one who will make it make sense to you. But you've got to know me to know it. And you've got to experience me to experience it. Let's pray. Father, today, as we've been reminded of... uh, conflict that occurs in our life and, and uh, difficulty and disagreement and, and hurt over those kinds of things. Uh, we all live in places and work with folks uh, that don't see through the lens that we see through. Yet, both they and we can experience peace. We experience that by Jesus being the one who breaks the barriers down, by breaking those barriers down by a, a, a visit to or a revisit to the cross and finding there the things that matter. Would you help us look through a bloodstained lens today at others? Would you help us find some places of, of compassion, some places that says, I want to reach through the hurt and I want to reach through my own, my own inconvenience to someone I don't know, someone that I don't have a lot in common with, someone that on the surface looks like we have, we're poles apart on where we, what we believe and how we stand on things. But, Cause us to see those folks through, through a bloodstained lens and, and reach out to them in love, understanding that you're the one that brings peace to their heart, changes hearts, changes, changes opinions, changes morals, changes minds, changes belief systems. You are the change agent, not us. And so help us to get them to the cross, to get them to you, to change hearts, minds, opinions, values, futures, eternities. All that happens as we know you as Savior. So if we do, help us to revisit that today, to find motivation to find those who don't. And if we're here today and we don't know you, let, let us not leave this place today without finding you as our Savior. Because that's the only thing that matters. The only thing that matters. The cross is the point. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.